Hey everybody, my name is Jesse Collings, and I want to tell you all about my show, The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. On The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, we do a thorough analysis on the biggest issues and trends within the pro wrestling industry. We talk a lot about pro wrestling media, we talk a lot about fan culture and wrestling's place within general pop culture, and we talk about the broader influences that are shaping the way we discuss and analyze the pro wrestling industry. We've had some of the brightest minds in the pro wrestling intelligentsia on the show, including WrestleNomics host Brandon Thurston, both Rich Krejci and Joe Lanza from the Flagship Wrestling Podcast, Trevor Dame from the Through the Years Podcast, and a whole lot more. This isn't a show for hot takes. It's not a show recapping the latest episode of television. This is a show focusing on the biggest topics in pro wrestling and doing a deep dive on the real stories behind the surface level analysis you might find elsewhere. The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a try. Thanks. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Here we go! Listening to the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Welcome to a very special episode of the Emerald Flow Show. Uh, we're a podcast with the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. And can you follow us on Twitter at Emerald Flow Show? Uh, I'm George Trudeau here again with Paul Vosh, but it's a very special episode because we're once again resurrecting the half year awards, basically. Paul, why don't you just give a little background on this uh, particular version of them? Yes. So uh, our longtime listeners, well, the people that uh, basically were listening to us like exactly a year ago, will remember that uh, a year ago we did the half year awards for 2023 and uh, kind of with plans to come back at the beginning of, or for 2022, I mean, uh, with plans to come back uh, at the beginning of 2023 and do like the full year awards for 2022. Well, the problem is life has a tendency of getting in the way. And the other issue as well is that both Noah and All Japan 
as well as generally our lives tend to be quite busy around New Year's time. So we just didn't have time to like schedule an additional recording to do like folio awards and everything. However, right now is actually like a little bit of a downtime. Like we have like the big like Kento and Keno match coming up and then the N1 later. But like other than that, it's not really actually all that much going on. So we figured, you know what, let's do like a special version basically where uh, our full year awards will instead be the, uh, what we will be judging on right now is the second half of 2022 as well as the first half of 2023. So uh, it is the full year award 2022 slash 2023. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm busy. I had I travel at the holidays and everything like that. So I think this sort of is a makeup. But, you know, I mean, I think I don't know about other people, but maybe their awards are slightly more biased to this year than the second half of last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I struggled with that as well. But I was like actually had to deliberately like call back to like second half of last year. I think I managed to like put some stuff in there from the second half of last year. But honestly, I think the first half of this year was just better. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so let's meet our esteemed panel. Uh, first up from uh, You've Got to Be a Kidding Me and uh, the world's number one great fan, we've got Liam Jones. Hello. Um, I am here. But yeah, I did have that same problem, but I think it was because I was like, how am I going to rate anything from the end of last year the same level as this year when this year has had real crowds? <laughs> oh, exactly. I never even thought of that, but it's true. Yeah. So like I was thinking when I'm going back to matches and going back to what shows I enjoyed, I was like, everything was better this year because there was real noise. And next up uh, from Jumping Bomb Audio, we have Kelly Harris. Hey, how's everybody doing? I'm happy to be here. I, I might ask you for your movie recommendations at the end of this, Kelly. Oh, shit. <laughs> I haven't seen anything new. Damn it. Right, well, we'll continue the GBA uh, gimmick here, maybe. Yeah, we'll, so, we'll figure out something. Yeah, definitely. So uh, we'll start with the sort of category B awards, which will everyone will just give their first choice or one choice. And then we'll go on to the uh, big stuff where we give three. And then for wrestler of the year, we'll give a five top five choices. So we'll start <laughs> in the reverse order that Paul gave me the ballot. And we start with the worst wrestler. And I am going with Hayata. Uh, I, we hate him. He's might be the most hated wrestler of the Emerald flow show. And uh, he just continues to drag the Noah junior division down. Has had a horrible matches with like Dante Leon and way too many matches that go 20 minutes for absolutely no reason. Liam. Um, okay. So I really kind of struggled with this. I, I was, I went through a bunch of different options. I was trying to think of like, who is the worst Ledette UWF wrestler? And then I went through all that and I just couldn't quite settle on someone. And then I decided to kind of change it in my mind and go with which wrestler do I audibly groan whenever they come out? And it's not necessarily for their wrestling, but I chose Hajime Ohara <laughs> because every time he's on my screen, I go, oh, you know, yeah, that's, that's fair. fair. That's yeah, absolutely that's fair. fair. I believe those allegations came out within the last year. Did they not? I yeah, think that's there have been, have been like rumors, but this is when like the details. Yes. I mean, well, I mean, kind of. I mean, the, like the like Rion Fujiwara like blog post was made like ages ago so it has been like floating out there but i think it just gained more like a lot more prominence over the last year yeah so that... and now like whenever i see him i'm like 
and then I don't particularly love anything he's done in the same time, so I was like, fuck it, he can be my my guy that I I put in this. Yeah, he's just a fall guy uh, now, so yeah, exactly. No um, redeeming qualities at all. (laughs) Kelly. All right, so you ever have a wrestler who you think is the worst, but then someone makes their return, and you're like, oh, wait, no, you're far worse. Okay. Uh, that for me is Natsuka Tora. Uh, just the absolute worst in stardom. I thought Ruaka was the worst, but you know what? She's not that bad. Not that bad con- compared to Tora. Yeah, I actually had something like that as well. Yeah, so I, I, yeah. I guess I am I... taking over then as well. So uh, yeah, so because my thing as well was like, yeah, I was trying to think about like, I also actually considered people like Hayata or Hara were like, Hayata is just kind of bad and boring, and then Ohara is just, yeah, just not a good human being, basically. Uh, but the person that I settled on is actually someone that hasn't had that many matches, but every single time I have seen this person wrestle, they have been the absolute worst person in a the match. They look like absolute shit. They have like he has absolutely no like athletic talent in even the slightest shows no aptitude for being good at really any aspect of wrestling and on top of that he uses a legendary gimmick as well which makes it so much worse and that is the current black tiger that has been that that has been having like a a handful of matches in all japan over like the last like full year basically he is just like i'm just continuously baffled why he keeps getting bookings in the promotion because he is just he might legitimately be the worst wrestler I have ever seen. Like, he's just the absolute, like, shits. Just no redeeming, like, value at all as a wrestler, and they should just stop booking him because there's just no reason for him to be there, and he actually, like, bring, he brings shame to the name of Black Tiger. Like, <laughs> that's really, like, the best way I can sum it up. Do we Rocky Romero is rolling in his grave. Uh, I, I know who it is. It's an indie guy whose name just escapes me right now. But... Uh... Okay. He's like, he's yeah. nowhere, you know. And we have no idea why he ended up with that name either. Like, I don't think there's anything that connects him to like a previous Black Tiger oh, either. I I think whoever it is, is like associated with Takaiwa. And so uh, that's where it comes from. But don't quote me on that. So we move on from that depressing subject to another one. Worst promotion. Um. <laughs> I really hate to do this because I still sort Wasn't of... it worst match first or... Oh, you're I... right. It's worst match, yeah. but also very <laughs> depressing because I have a very horrible match. Um, I'm going to go with... And this, like, it's funny because it's from January 3rd and I knew, uh, I know, you know, three days into the year, this is the worst match I've seen within the previous half year and the half year of 2023. I'm going with Nozawa and Kendo Kashin versus Takao Mori and Sao Inoue for the All-Asia Tag Titles on January 3rd. Just wow, absolutely... that sounds so good on paper, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, an absolutely horrible match. Uh, so bad that uh, Nozawa and Kendo Kashin would have like a better match with uh, Atsushi Onida and Yoshitatsu even. Uh, hey, that match in... ruled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and somehow uh, they had a worse match with Takawamori and Masao in a way. Just horrible standing around cheating in a way is just a lug. I don't know. It's as bad as it sounds. Liam. Um, I really struggled with worse match because 
bad matches just don't stick in my head and the one that i was gonna pick ended up happening uh just outside of the time period i really wanted to give it to hikaru sato and shinya aoki versus ayato yoshido and yu izuka because i hated that match with a burning passion so instead i decided to just break the rules even more and give it to a whole show uh <laughs> my worst match is gleet g pro wrestling version 39 in kurrigan hall i hate this show uh i thought it was like so boring throughout the entire thing and then the main event just annoyed the shit out of me because it was a 16 minute g infinity tag title match which went to no contest and then they did a three versus three which wasn't very good so it's four versus four and it was like not good either and i was at the end of that show i was like do i want to be the gleek guy it like shook <laughs> my faith uh-oh that's yeah. when you know it's really bad <laughs> I I truly it was just so boring and like there was a like kind of cool Minoru Suzuki versus Yuazuka match on there, but everything else I was just dull and lifeless and there was only like seven hundred people in Kurgan. It was just it was not a good time and I was like maybe this is maybe the bit's over. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kelly. I so I don't know if mine qualifies or not, but it is also. It is also Gleet. Uh, this comes from Gleet MMA version zero. The battle between we'll Shuya, Urimura, and Soma Watanabe. <laughs> Kelly, let me virtually high-five you. Just what a fucking disaster that whole thing was. And this, I think, was just the peak of what a disaster it was with Watanabe just getting destroyed and looking like a geek and then throwing up at the very end. Like, and you know, the dude he was facing is just a jobber in the, in the MMA world. Like he was barely putting in an effort. The fact that he couldn't finish Watanabe was sad. It was just, man, that was, that, that was just a sad thing to watch. It was just like, what are you, what are you guys doing? Why do you think this was a good idea? Let's do it again at our biggest show ever. Yeah, what the fuck? It's only one match at Sumo Hall, though, right? Um, all we, one match has been announced, but they um, announced that all three brands would be a part of it. So I would assume a couple more. Oh, God. <laughs> all right. And Paul? Well, so the reason I wanted to virtually high-five Ke high Kelly is because I actually also voted for that match. Yeah! <laughs> it is so awful. It is absolutely one of the worst things I have ever seen. And I still remember, like, I, I was one of the people that actually watched the show live. And I think I might be one of, one of the reasons why people actually went back to, like, watch this. Because I was just completely exacerbated of, like, what the fuck was even happening here? Where, like, the fight got so, like, to people that haven't seen it, the fight got so bad that, like, after a while, Soma Watanabe was just pun was just blocking, like, punches with his face. Yeah. Like, he was just standing <laughs> there with his hands down, and he was just getting punched in the face repeatedly, while the ref just stood there next to him and was like, yeah, no, I guess this is fine. And then, and then I think the other guy started to have, like, pity i guess because then he just started punching him in the stomach instead which then led to watanabe throwing up after the match so <laughs> yeah it was just a complete disaster like just no idea why anyone thought this was a good idea and like 
like and Watanabe, I mean, he had recently he had like a title shot against T Hawk, right? But yep. one of my issues there was like I just didn't buy him as like a credible title challenger at all. And no. Like, again, like when for example, when like Nagata like lost to like like he lost to like uh uh Krokop, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like that obviously like that did some damage to him, but at that point he was already an established main eventer. And B, he lost to Prime Miracle Krokop. That's not <laughs> embarrassing. Like no. that's that's like arguably like the greatest fighter in MMA history. Like it's okay if you lose to that guy like really quickly, but him just like absolute like Soma Watanabe not being competitive at all to a guy that has a fucking pro MMA record of eleven wins, eleven losses, and two draws, who is on like a free loss like a free loss streak as well, like. Like him not even being able to put up a fight and just getting completely embarrassed just really did some damage to him. And I think it will be a while until he can actually like overcome that and become like an actual like credible guy again. I think yeah. Paul and I were the only two people who watched that show live. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was one person in the Discord as well, but yeah, that's about it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, one of the most embarrassing moments in a long time, uh, you know, since like Enochism and everything like that. So, yeah, I'm glad uh, you guys uh, sort of circled that one. So we're moving <laughs> to worst promotion. And for me, I, it pains me to say this because there was like a part of it that I absolutely loved, like sort of late last year. And but I've just totally lost enthusiasm for it this year. I'm going with worst promotion of DDT. You know, oh, yeah. the Higuchi push that sort of got aborted for no reason. And I really yeah. like the King of DDT finals, but it's just, I, you know, it's hard to watch. Pheromones running wild, and now Saki Akai's retiring. So I don't know what they're going to do. Um, yeah. Okay. So, in the spirit of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One, uh, I've decided to go rogue and I have three promotions. <laughs> and. These none of these promotions do yeah, I actually hate, but I am I was immensely disappointed in all three over this last year at different points. Um, mostly because I feel like none of them managed to hit the landing on anything when they had things going for them, and now like two of them uh, are in a spot now where I'm very low on them, where I was very high, and one of them is coming back up, but I was very low, so. I'll, I can give you a specific one if you want a specific one, but the three that came to mind were Noah, Dragon Gate, and Gleet. Ooh, <gasps> okay, that's spicy. <laughs> yeah. Well, are you okay? Do you want to talk about this? <laughs> I, yeah. So, um, Noah and Dragon Gate, they were... I was really high on them last year. I think when we did this last year, they were both in my top three. But where we are now, all of them... I'm just not feeling good about them. Like Noah didn't like manage to catch on with all the Muda stuff and like had one of the best shows of the year. But then after that, I just, I'm not, I'm not really happy where they are right now. I feel like they should have been able to sort of take that opportunity and run with it. Dragon Gate, they have an amazing roster of guys, but it feels like none of them have connected to be actual star level people yet. Uh, Gleet's kind of the opposite where I was the lowest I've ever been on the company. Uh, I, I didn't want to watch shows and, and when I was someone who was watching everything that they were putting out, 
But with the Gleet version 6 show, uh, I thought that they're kind of coming up and the sumo whole stuff with the Bushi is really interesting. But if we're going with the time period that we were allocated, uh, Gleet version 6 doesn't count. So I can't give them the credit for the thing they just did. Okay. And so how do you feel going into the Sumo Hall show then? Uh, I'm I'm happier about it now because I thought Gleet version 6 was a really good show. Um, obviously, I'm excited to see what Ibushi brings to the table. Uh, my con- main concern with Gleet at the moment is I think their booking of one-off guys has never been great and hasn't ever been used in a way to help put over their core roster. So I'm curious to see what they end up doing. If they just do like Ibushi versus like some other outsider, I'm going to roll my eyes. If they just do like even a one-on-one where he's just going to kill a guy, I'll kind of roll my eyes. I feel like this is an opportunity where you should do some sort of tag. I would team him with Soma because Soma is like mini Ibushi. And so I'm curious about it. I'm not in love with it. Like the Yuji Hino being in a Quiet Storm six-man tag annoys the hell out of me. But I'm in I'm I'm in a better place where it's gonna go forward now than I was. But I was at the lowest of my fandom in this company in the last year, so I had to give credit to it. In I guess negative credit to it in some way. I think with you voting for Dragon Gate, Case Law is like looking into flights to Australia right now. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Um, the, I could have picked something like DDT or Big Japan, which I didn't pay a lot of attention to, and just kind of have heard how they've been. But I, I wanted to pick companies that, even if I don't think they were like necessarily the actual worst, they really disappointed me in the last year. Because I love a lot of the Dragon Gate guys. I just don't think they've capitalized on it at all. Yeah, that's fair, to be honest. I didn't vote for them, but like they, I've definitely am, am down on Dragon Gate as well overall. And like the thing that emphasizes my point is like when we did this last year, Dragon Gate and Noah were like in my top three, I think. They were both... They were both companies that I gave my best promotion. And now I'm just, I feel like they're both in worse places than they were then. Yeah, definitely. And Kelly? So I got what might be a spicy take. Uh, I am going with worst promotion is stardom. (laughs) Purely because I have to watch them all the time. I'm Mm -hmm. sick of them. I'm sick of them doing constant pay-per-views that are like $45 for just a house show tier card. I'm sick of them having a shitty streaming service that I pay every month for and usually don't end up using because nothing I actually want to see is uploaded there until it's long out of date. I'm sick of just how they run the company. They It's nothing to do with the wrestlers. It's purely I don't like the company itself. I don't... Hatman, I'm sorry. You, you got to do better. You got to do better. And I know you're doing great. You're bringing in fans. But buddy, those simps are going to dry up eventually. You can't you can't keep bleeding them for all the money they're worth because they're going to run out. You are a brave man. If if Liam is in danger of like Case coming over to Australia and beating him up, you, you are in danger of actually getting murdered by uh, some of the hardcore stardom fans. <laughs> Look, it's, it was bound to happen eventually. The fact that it hasn't happened yet is shocking. They'll, they'll, I know they'll come for me one day. Maybe this is say, the day. Someone is going to shank you wearing a Saya Kamatani shirt. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I was going to say, Kelly, like, um, I don't think... I, I, the the Saturn fans don't feel like they're the, like, the wildest of the Joshi bunch, though. I feel like it's the, the deep Joshi fans are the ones that are actually going to commit a murder. Mm-hmm. 
like if you were to say something about like big hash or something <laughs> i feel like yeah. you would be dead <laughs> and that's why kelly didn't vote for gwp <laughs> all right and paul yeah so uh my vote is also for ddt um i kind of agree with everything there like if, i mean i'm actually going to mention ddt again a couple of times when we get to like the more positive awards but that's Best because there was like weirdly no that's, that's definitely not happening uh but there was one positive light in ddt but that was literally all there was like there's just absolutely nothing happening the booking is kind of baffling as well like yeah it's, uh, as Rod mentioned like with the like Gucci Bush push getting aborted and all of that and then I like Hino but he's not a top level champion kind of guy and it, and it's showing as well um just kind of underneath there isn't really anything happening at all like Endo is still like like Endo just hasn't been the same since he got knocked out by Nakajima like like I, I think I joked on the ML flow show like a few weeks back was like I, like I'm happy that basically Nakajima ruined DDT because it gave us the cool moment at the press conference for the Kento versus Nakajima match where Kento knocks out Nakajima. So, but still, like, like it, it, it still doesn't make me enjoy DDT anymore. Uh, so, yeah, this is not happening. And I think the other thing as well that is notable with DDT is one thing that always came out of DDT was like, there were some matches of note, but the other thing that always came out of DDT were like gifts of like, funny comedy spots look at the wacky stuff happening in ddt and i don't think we even get that anymore like there just isn't really any memorable comedy happening in ddt at the moment so it's not even that side of the promotion that is really delivering like it's just all pheromones all the time and and don't forget like, joey janela and ricky shane page yeah exactly like the foreigners that you bring us like like the noah grab random grab bag of foreigners at least has some like like diamonds in the rough in it whereas like ddt just brings in guys that we know aren't good so like yeah it's, it's just bad all around and like i'm also not really sure what they can really do to like turn that ship around like it just I f it feels like they have young guys but i don't know it feels like a promotion that is in a really bad spot right now yeah definitely so we move on from the depressing topics to some more positive stuff from here on all out so we'll start off with the Rookie of the Year. I think this will be pretty obvious. Uh, my choice, uh, I'm going to go with Yuma Anzai. And you can argue I think he's a Rookie of the Year, whether you look at it the last half of last year from his run from his debut in September all the way being in the Real World Tag League to um, like now in the first half of the year when he got a triple crown shot, pinned Shima, and has been selling merch and gets lots of big pops and has been, you know, a pretty damn good wrestler for his experience level. Liam? Um, yeah, so not the most competitive uh, Rookie of the Year category I've ever seen, I think. Um, because for me, I also picked Jim Anzai. Um, I think it's just, out of any rookie that's come in this, in this last 12 months, he's the only one that his name is getting bandied and thrown around anymore. Cause like, and I feel like it was kind of the same with, way with Takuma Fujiwara last year, where it's like, that was the name that was thrown around, thrown around, thrown around. And now this is the name. Cause I, I honestly, I don't even know other candidates. It just kind of feels like he's the one. Yep, definitely. And Kelly? I had a hard time with this one. Cause yeah, I just don't, there aren't any rookies that stood out to me. 
until I remembered from uh, Stardom had their celebrity wrestler, yeah. Fuachan, come in and fucking just kill it in a tag match, uh, teaming with Hazuki facing Miu Amasaki and Utami. And Fuachan got her got her ass beat by Utami and sold the hell out of the beating and was so great. Like, legitimately might be the single best celebrity match and maybe the best first match anyone's ever had. Like, I went four and a quarter on it on this random, like, undercard tag. It was so good, and it's sad that she's probably never going to wrestle again because it was just, like, a talk show bit. She was awesome. Yeah, like, she blew me away. I was not expecting her to be that great. And Paul? So, my pick is also the obvious pick. It's you, my anti. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the actually interesting part would have been if we had actually had done this at the end of, uh, if we actually had done like full year awards for 2022, because at the half year awards, I voted for Takumi Fujiwara, who isn't even with Dragon Gate anymore. <laughs> uh, um, but he basically he had like a great first half of 2022, and then obviously he went on excursion to Mexico immediately, which yeah, that probably wasn't Dragon Gate's best idea. Nine <laughs> side. Um, so it really would have been like an interesting like case of like weighing like Takuma Fujiwara's first half against Yuma Anzai's second half. But since we're doing it this mm. way now, like it's just an absolute no contest. Yuma Anzai, like he's the guy, he's the man. Like he is going to be the ace of all Japan at some point, probably in, in the not too distant future as well. And yeah, I, I think this is a point I've been hitting repeatedly. Like if you're somehow someone that doesn't like Yuma Anzai, then All Japan is not going to be the promotion for you for like the next like 15 years, probably longer. So, but if he is, then yeah, I think we're all in for a good ride there. I'm really excited for next year's um, awards because next year we should have our first Gleet class. Who's excited? Ooh. They got trainees. How many do they have? Do you know? I think I saw a photo that had four. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, and they were all in the tracksuits. So it's looking like we're going to get our first batch of Gleet trainees. Are they like junior sized? I think well, it's been a while since I saw this photo. Mm-hmm. Um, but two of them looked on the smaller size and two of them were clearly bigger than them. So they were, so maybe there's like, and like also to be a heavyweight and glee, it isn't exactly hard. So no. they can kind of mix it. But yeah, I... just real quick, Gerard, a uh, yeah. question for you. Yes. If this wasn't the Yuma Anza, Yuma, Yuma Anza year, Jeez, it's late. Um, would you have voted for zones? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> I've only seen a couple of matches. I can't go off off of that. When did Taishi Ozawa debut? Maybe him. He Is would he, he would count, yeah. Okay, so it probably would have been Taishi Ozawa. Even Can though I just he's shout having out zones for liking all of my Instagram photos completely unprompted. <laughs> Despite me not following anyone from Old Japan. <laughs> uh yeah, so I would have been Ozawa if Anzai did not exist or something like that, I think. But no, I, I can't uh, vote for someone off of just a couple of matches. I know that Kelly did, but I think that's like a different um, situation when you come in and you have that sort of explosive first master, everything like that. Like, I don't begrudge anyone that voted for like Logan Paul as rookie of the year or anything like that. I think that's perfectly reasonable given uh, the level of performance. So we then move on to the best feud 
And uh, I'm just going to go with, um, I think I know what other people are going to say, but I was most entertained by Keno versus basically all Japan, where everything from getting stuffed in the body bag to like <laughs> wearing the all Japan merch, going to the all Japan program, and then going to the ticket stand at Cork and Hall and asking them how ticket sales are doing. Uh, just so much fun. And unfortunately, I think that might be over because Keno is obviously like now going off in his new direction as Blue Keno. Blue Keno is so weird. I don't like it. It upsets me. <laughs> it's still Keno's, jumping, yes. Keno's so fucking good. <laughs> uh, it, what a delightful it, weirdo. It just doesn't help that he still has like the red lion hats. Like that's just yeah, such like a it, bad color clash. I, yeah, I don't know. It, it's like... um. When you would have to wear the the red and uh, blue glasses to go see a three D movie, and then on the screen they would have like the weird outlines. I don't know. To me, it's more like I paid a lot of money for these lion heads, so I'm going to wear them even if the oh, colors 100%. don't match anymore. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, my best feud is Okada versus every youth in Japan, <laughs> <laughs> and his continued hatred on people younger than him. Um. I think this goes hand in hand with when New Japan has started to feel hot for me again. And it started with Kimiya and obviously now it's moving into Shota and everyone else. Uh, it's just been so much fun. I like seeing old bastard Mino Carter beating people up. And, um, I, and I also think it's like something that's still in that initial hot phase and it could go down, it could go away or it could go back, it could go up even further. But I've just really enjoyed it. And it was the first thing that came to mind. I was like, yeah, this is what's kind of got me. And that was just seeing Okada beating up all these kids. Yeah, you, you, know, call, my... you calling it Okada versus like the youth of Japan makes me want to see like a segment, like double, uh, double J MMA style, where Okada goes to a school and just starts beating up children. <laughs> yeah, when, he, when he goes to the Dragon Gate roster. They're just like, they, they take Okada to a school and they're like, how many kids do you think you can beat up? And he's like, I don't know, how many you got? And they just bring out the entire school and he just one-on-ones them all until finally one will take him down like four hours in. Just doing the two awesome drop kick on every single child. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, my pick for best feud is actually very similar to that. Uh, my pick is Yuka Sakazaki versus all these fucking kids get off my lawn. Because, man, she had a year of just being mad at children and hitting people real hard and knocking people back down to their place. Me and Kelly have similar interests. Yeah. <laughs> I think she has a great heel run in her if she wants one. Yeah, like the whole Terminator Yuka stuff was so fucking good. And I want more of that. Like that's I was sad when she lost to Mizuki because it's like, damn. Now we're not gonna get her beating the shit out of people every <laughs> every month anymore. And to have her like on that pedestal while she does it too. Yes. I mean, her boyfriend's a heel in AEW, right? So <laughs> that would make a lot of sense if. Excuse me, her husband. Oh, is it? Is are they actually married? That's what the the thing going around was. Okay, I mean, but I still, can't like, like you know. <laughs> I can't imagine Yuka being married to anyone that isn't Mizuki. <laughs> <laughs> What if Yuka starts wearing a leather jacket like like Takeshita? <laughs> I mean, I think it would work. Yeah. All right, Kelly? Oh, you just went. Yeah, yeah, yeah so Paul. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, so my feud is actually similar to Gerard's. 
Well, but I went a little bit broader. I just went with the wider, like, all Japan versus Noah feud. Because, I've, like, obviously, like, Keno has been an absolute highlight of this whole thing. But I've actually enjoyed, like, all, like, aspects of this whole thing going on. Like, obviously, like, you need to roll, like, so many things into that. Like, the Keno stuff with the tag titles and all of that. But also, like, for example, Kento versus Nakajima and everything. Like, the six-man tag at the Muto retirement show. Uh, you need to roll into that as well. The uh, I mean, I, that's technically outside of the time frame now, but uh, Atsuki popping up on the uh, Noah show to challenge Hayata and all of that. So, like, I think it's just like been a really, really entertaining feud, and it's obviously still ongoing. Uh, but I think it's been it's been a lot of highlights so far, and I think it's if it continues the trajectory it's on, I think I'm probably gonna vote for it again next year. Uh, we'll we'll see how things go from here, but so far it's just been an absolute delight. And while I don't think Noah has really benefited from it, I think all Japan definitely has. And don't forget Kento showing up on a Noah's show and getting the biggest pop of Eddie Wood. <sighs> yeah, just actually embarrassing the entire Noah roster and just <laughs> and being like, "Hey, look, stuff. this is what it's like to be actually over." It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> all right. So we move on to tag team of the year. I felt like. There's a couple of options, but really only one I thought really stuck stuck out for me. And I think it really counts for both sides in the second half of 2022 and the first half of 2023. I'm going with astronauts, Takuya Nomura and uh, Fuminori Abe. I I mean, what's more to be said? Their matches with Strong BJ, just them working and being really, I think, a big part of Big Japan's turnaround. So I think they deserve that. Um. For me, when I thought of who is like the tag, I, it was interesting because like my mind instantly went to Aussie Open and then I was like, no, because they're not even the best tag team in New Japan lately. It's if you Bishamon. say FTR, I'm kicking you off this show. No, it's Bishamon. Like it's Yoshita, uh, Yoshitatsu. It's Yoshihashi. It's Yoshitatsu. And, uh, Yoshitatsu and Hiroki Goto. Bishamon that everyone <laughs> loves. Um... I don't, yeah, there's just, I think both guys have come together in such an interesting way. It's nice to see Goto being used in a meaningful manner. Yoshihashi has finally found himself in this tag role and everything's been really good. You've like, even from the end of the, the never open weight six man stuff straight into the actual tag title reigns, they've been killing it. Uh, a highlight in the world tag league, I actually watched all the world tag league. Um, then you go into the, the amazing Tanahashi Okada match. The stuff recently, uh, yeah, I just, I got to give it to Bishamon. And every time the music hits, I get into the, I'm like, yes, Bishamon are here. All right, Kelly. All right. So initially my pick was uh, Soulmate from Freedoms, uh, Tomiya Harada and to- uh, Tora Segura. And then I was like looking back at my match document and I was like, huh, they actually don't have like many matches that I went four stars or higher on. So I was like, maybe they shouldn't be my pick, but they're, they're, they're my pick in my heart. Uh, but really, my pick is the Magical Sugar Rabbits, Yuka Sakazaki and Mizuki. They had another killer year. Just you can't beat them. They're so so great as a team. Yep, that, they were definitely on my short list. And Paul, mm-hmm. so when we did this last year, I actually really struggled to come up with a team, and I think I ended up voting for the Hokuto Mori and uh, Kodama team. Uh, because I really like there was just like no real like notable tag team wrestling going on. Uh, where's the like 
for this one now, I think I actually kind of struggled a little bit, like not struggled, but in a positive way. Because I think there was actually like quite a few good choices this time around. Like I definitely considered Bishamon as well, because I've enjoyed like everything that they've done and all of that. I also considered like the various Yuma Aoyagi tag teams, whether it's him and Naoya Nomura or him and uh, Kento Miyahara. And I also thought about uh, uh, also thought about uh, Masakita Miya and Daiki Inaba, as well as Keno and Manabu Soya, who fought, who I think had like a really, really good run in the first half of 2023. But because this is both 2022 and the second half of 2022 and first half of 2023, to me, there was really only one logical choice because they like were just excelling both halves. And that is astronauts. So same pick as Gerard again. I think they are just legitimately one of the best tag teams in the world. And they have actually been announced for WXW's Tag Team League uh, in fall, later this year. And I'm really, really sad that I can't go to that uh, tournament, unfortunately, because uh, I have I have to go on a work trip. So I'm going to be missing them. So I really hope that like by the time I get to Japan at the end of this year, I mean, I, I'm sure they're probably still together as a team then. So I hope that I will be able to see them then because I, I would be really sad if I miss never having watched this team live because they have become one of my all-time favorites. Excellent choice, Paul, if I do say so myself. <laughs> and so we're about to get into the big awards here where we give multiple uh, sort of Rank them three, two, one. But first, a word from our sponsor. Sports betting has rapidly risen in popularity, and I want you to connect you all with the opportunity to get started and get ahead. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the most simple way to maximize your profits, and there has never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page, betstamp.app, slash VOW, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region, along with a review of each platform and its unique benefits. All of these sports books have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and when you register through our link, you will automatically receive the top offer at each one. When you use multiple sports books, you ensure that you can always access the best available odds, which is key to successful sports betting. If you want to take advantage of these benefits and support the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network, please consider signing up for your next sports book at betstamp.app/vow. That's B E T. S-T-A-M-P dot A-P-P slash V-O-W. All right. So we move on to the category S, uh, category A awards. Uh, so we'll start off with the best show. Um, so for me, for number three, I'm going with the recent um, All Japan show, uh, New Age Mania, uh, at Oda Ward City Gym from June 17th, that was headlined by Yuji uh, Nagata versus Yuma Anzai, but it also had that gr- incredible world tag team title match with Kento Miyahara and Yuma Aoyagi versus Atsuki Aoyagi and Rising Hayato. And uh, Violent Giants and Strong VJ turned back the clock several years and managed to have a banger that I don't think anyone expected to them to have at this point during their careers. Uh, number two, I went with Stardom All-Star Grand Queendom from April 23rd. I mean, uh, I had to give it to that, sort of recognize that show, the biggest gate of a woman's show in like a very long time. Um, I thought the main event was hard hitting and awesome, even if I'm not uh, the biggest Tam fan. I'm not on the Tam road. 
but uh you know i thought i am a big julia fan and so i thought stardom sort of needed to be recognized for what they did there and i'll just go best show wrestle kingdom 17 i thought it had an energy that um the other sort of wrestle kingdoms during the pandemic didn't have and i thought you know i'll get more uh this later on one of the big matches on that show i thought was just incredible so i could not you know and it really invigorated me uh at the beginning of the year after like nearly three years of going through clap uh you know no clap crowds so i have to give them to that and liam so um for my best shows uh now that i'm looking at it it's kind of interesting because it does feel like these three companies and their gigantic shows that they had i'm a big sucker for big production shows um nothing more like encapsulates that than stardom all-star grand queendom which i had at three i've talked to kelly this about to this about this a thousand times where to me the thing that i've always wanted from joshi is this big production thing that reminds me of all japan women's and this is the closest i've gotten to that um the main event i was hooting and hollering i was jumping on my couch i was fist pumping the air i was so into it i had such a great time with this show um number two i had keiji muto grand final pro wrestling last love holdout um Again, big production, just so much fun. I enjoyed it. It, like, it, it was a big show, a long show. It flew by. It was nice to have 30,000 people for a Noah show. Uh, Kaito and Okada on that was awesome. I'm one of the sickos who enjoyed Keiji Muto versus Tetsuya Naito. So I just had a great time. And the Chono thing was amazing. Just great stuff all around. Uh, and number one, I had Wrestle Kingdom 17. Uh, again, just everything you just said just this crazy show it was nice to have like this moment where cheering was back we had uh obviously one of the best matches i've ever seen on it and there was also the element of oh i'm blanking on what i wanted to say um it, it was like that encompassment of like oh new japan's back and it just felt good to have a one night wrestle kingdom that was all these people people going crazy and i had a had a great time with it so yeah, uh, yeah, that's my one, two, and three. All, All right. right. So for my one, two, my three, two, one. Uh, for my third pick, I went with Gunbare's Pro Wrestle Sekigahara 2022. Uh, this was really like my first intro to Gunbare, and it was such a fun show. I had, I think, four or five matches on this card at four stars or higher. And well, let's see, one, two, three. I had four matches, which is pretty good. It was a just a fun show, and I just loved the vibe of this show. Like I, Gunbari has the feel of almost like a traveling family circus rather than like a regular wrestling company. Like these people all kind of just feel unified behind the Gunbari brand, and it's 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 nice. Like it's a very pleasant kind of watch. So I, I was I was a big fan of this show and. I'm about halfway through the current one that uh, happened the other day. That's a good show as well. Uh, my number two is Stardom All-Star Grand Queendom from uh, April 23rd. Uh, a, a great show. A lot of awesome singles matches. I sure didn't like Julia losing the title, but damn, it was a good match. Like Just all around great show. Uh, and then my number one is from March 18th, 2023. Uh Tokyo Joshi's Grand Princess 23. Uh, great show. 
Yeah, the main evented by Yuka Sakazaki defending the title against Mizuki in an incredible main event. He also had Miyu Watanabe versus Rika Tatsumi in a fantastic international princess title match. And just yet a yet a Neo Bishiki Goon match, which that is always welcome. Love Saki Sama and May Saint Michel. Just a, a great show. The, easily my number one pick. And Paul? Yeah. So for me at number three, I have the uh, Keiji Muto retirement show from Noah. Uh, yeah. As Liam has already said, just like really big production, very bombastic show. There was some stuff on it that I didn't like love exactly. But the stuff that I liked, I really, really liked. Like I, I thought the whole uh, All Japan versus Congo match was just fantastic, and it it set up so much stuff that is still like being paid off now. So just bang on drop on that. I thought the uh, Okada versus Kaito match. Uh, I like I said, I I have very interesting feelings about that, which I think I brought across when we like reviewed that one on the show. Or as like, look, Okada is my Kamiyoshi, right? So like Okada, like forever will be like, whatever he does, I will love. Like, did I love that? Like, Kaito got absolutely utterly buried here. No, but you know what? Actually, now with the power of hindsight, and uh, also uh, get to plug something as well because it was just released. Is my preview of the A block for G One, which actually has one Kaito Kiyomi in it. Actually, maybe him getting buried there uh, at that show isn't maybe so bad because he might get his win back or he will get his win back. He not might be getting his win back. He will get his win back, manifesting that one. So, but I think aside from that, like the match itself was just absolutely tremendous and just the entire atmosphere was just amazing. Like the match against Naito was for, for like the Muta retirement match against Naito was just kind of okay. But the entire atmosphere and like the intro and all of that were just, amazing and i i did admire kind of the whole like thing he did with chono at the end there like i I thought that was actually kind of a lovable moment so no that that uh that was just all over like a really really nice show then my second vote goes to the uh, big japan endless survivor infinity uh independent show uh from the yokohama arena i thought that really was like a show that like just reinvigorated my love of Big Japan after I had dropped out for quite a while. Like they just really showed that they had like regained their footing and it actually made me like go back and check out some of the earlier stuff as well. And just like it's just really like it just really helped Big Japan. And I hope like that they can like capitalize on that momentum that they created there. Like just like the Iron Cage death death match with Yankee to Kendra, that was great. Like the astronauts title match was expectedly was really great. And then the death match title match, yeah. That, that I think that's still a weakness for Big Japan right now, but then the strong heavyweight title match, Yua Yoki with Yuji Okabayashi, just an absolute banger of a match, and I will be talking about that one a bit later as well. And then my best show of the year is... Uh, I don't think it's the same as last year, uh, but I also had this on my list last year. Uh, it is the AEW New Japan show Forbidden Door, this time the 2023 version, just a really great show, top to bottom, just with some absolute bangers on there, like Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega just completely tearing down the house. I'm actually someone that I really like, Brian Danielson versus Okada, because those two are just like two of my all-time favorite wrestlers, so that that floor will just always be incredibly high for me. And I also watched the match 
spoiled as well. So I knew that Danielson broke his arm. And so watching him work around having a broken arm was just amazing. And then aside from that, you also had like the great uh, uh, Blackpool Combat Club, eight, uh, 10 man tag match, as well as the international title four way, just a really, really strong show top to bottom. And yeah, Forbidden Door delivers second year in a row. Oh, and also I should mention the reason Forbidden Door counts is because it was a New Japan show proper. If it was a strong show, it wouldn't count. But because it is a New Japan show proper, it does count. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. <laughs> and so we move on to the match of the year. I, I'm already getting ideas. I think where there's going to be a lot of crossover uh, here on some of these matches. Number three, I had uh, Kento Miyahara versus Yuji Nagata for the Triple Crown from February 19th. Uh, I had said on this very show that, you know, going into this and given some of Nagata's previous uh, performances in All Japan and his last match against Nagata in last year's Royal Road Tournament, I was like, I don't know if he can do this, but he did. And he was it was an awesome match. And I actually somewhat didn't expect him to win the title. And he's had a great he had a great reign with it and everything like that. And I thought that match particularly got a lot of eyeballs on All Japan this year. Number two. Uh, I'm going with Yuji Okobayashi versus Yuya Aoki from uh, May uh, May 4th. I mean, I don't know what else to say. It's just two dudes destroying each other recklessly. I love it. And Aoki has that sort of brings that sort of flair that the old strong or um, strong division matches didn't have because he's got that high flying as well. So I think that's a sort of nice little evolution of the style going into it. And number one, uh, Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay from January 4th. I mean, so much has already been said about this match. I'll just say I love Kenny doing all of his wacky stuff, and I love the sort of doing the shining thing with the table. Uh, it did not take away from the match for me or anything like that. So, uh, Liam, you're up. So, uh, my third match is from July 1st, 2022. So, just scrape it in there. Uh Fujita Junior Hayato versus Misashi from Michinoku Pro. This was Fujita's return. Um, I love this match. I I decided to like put it on my back and try and show as many people as possible this match because I knew it was going to go sort of underserved. And I thought it was just so awesome. There was so much passion and emotion in this match. Um, even though it wasn't a crowd that could cheer, you still felt it like from everyone in the audience. Uh, I thought uh, Fuda Hayato had such like, fanta- like fantastic work for someone who had been away for so long. And I thought Misashi, I, I really like Misashi whenever he shows up on Gleet. I think the guy's great. Uh, they just spent 30 minutes in Korokan and it, it was it was just, it's such a good match. And I, I really sort of connected with it on that next level. Um, Number two, which is also a match which is all about passion, is uh, Junkasai versus El Desperado from Takataichi Mania. Um, just what what a what an effort from both guys. Junkasai has is like become one of my favorite guys. El Desperado is one of my favorite guys. They go out there and they do work this match. At, I, I love these Takataichi Mania shows. I think they're so interesting and unique, and it's cool to see New Japan guys do stuff that's a little out of the bubble. Um, that are just like Okada and stuff going to uh, going to like Noah, but I really enjoyed seeing um, this like back and forth and the post match promo is one of the best moments of the entire year for me. And number one, 
Um, I decided to just pick one of the Omega Osprey matches, and I picked the first one because when I finished that match, I was like, is that the best match I've ever seen? And if I'm going to that level immediately after seeing it, I have to sort of credit it as the best thing I've seen in that time period, basically. Um, I liked it more than the second one, even though I went five stars on both. This one, I think part of it is just seeing Kenny Omega in New Japan again with all that aura around him. Uh, it just adds a whole level. I thought that Osprey delivered an all-time great babyface performance. I thought that Omega was an all-time great heel in that match, just bullying him around with all the knees. I I left that match like wiping my forehead and going time for bed and then realizing there's a whole nother match after it. So that's what I, that's what those are the three that stuck out to me. All right. So we got my three. Uh, my number three is Yuka Sakizaki versus Mio Watanabe from the Tokyo princess cup, 2022 finals on uh, August 14th, 2022. This was Terminator Yuka at her absolute peak for me. Just ripping everyone's hearts out. Everyone wanted Miyu to win, to go to the to go to get the title shot. And Yuka looked at them and said, No, it's not happening. I'm gonna beat the shit out of this out of this girl. I'm gonna go win the title. It's just an incredible story match. Yuka was so good. Miyu was so good. Like I just I loved this match. Uh my number two, El Desperado versus Jun Kasai from Takataichi uh May- Taka Taichi Despimania, sorry. That's cool. From uh, September 12th. Fuck, two of my favorite dudes going out there and having a killer death match. Like, just incredible stuff. I'm so happy that Desperado is going to get to team with Jun Kasai coming up. I want Kasai to kind of become a New Japan regular and maybe give him King of Pro Wrestling so he can just go do crazy hardcore matches with the people on the roster. Like, shit, Jun Kasai is so good, and I've been a huge Despy guy for years, so I'm really happy to see him kind of get this pretty universally loved match. And it, it was great. I went five, five stars on it. It was exactly what I was hoping it would be. Uh, and then my number one, uh, Kenny versus Will from Wrestle Kingdom 17. Fuck, that's a perfect match. Like, that's an easy five stars. Like, I don't break the scale, but if I were to, this would be the match that would do it. But, you know, star ratings, it's the same thing as, like, a tier list almost. You you don't need to be like, well, this match is clearly above the others. It's like, no, they can they can all commingle in the same upper echelon of wrestling matches. And that's where Omega and Osprey belong. Just a truly incredible match. And Paul? Yeah. So my number three, uh, well, actually, I should probably give a caveat first, because if all of the like callous interference doesn't happen in the Omega vs. Osprey match at Forbidden Door, then the match would likely be second or maybe even first on my list. But because it had all of that, it was actually the last cut. So uh, now to get to my actual number three on this list, it's Kazusada Higuchi vs. Uh, Kaneska Takeshita. From DDT, Who's Gonna Top, September 25th, uh, 2022. Just an absolutely amazing match. Like the only match, not just in Pearl, but just in general that I prefer to this was the FDR versus Briscoe match last year. Like it, for a long time, like this still outranked it until like 
FDR with Brescos just moved ahead in the end. But yeah, no, this is just an absolutely amazing match. Like Higuchi is just insane. Like he's just an absolute madman. Like he, I still can hear the sound of Higuchi doing a shoot headbutt into the turnbuckle. Like I, I, I don't think that sound will ever leave me to be quite honest, because it's one of the most harrowing things I've ever heard in wrestling. <laughs> just absolutely insane that he was taking that and then just him just destroying Takeshita basically after that and just yeah no just top to bottom just an amazing match and I think again like I like I really don't know like why DDT like I don't know why they don't see what is really very obviously there and I guess they see it to some degree because they put him over Takeshita here but then they also don't it, it's just an incredibly frustrating situation anyway but yeah, but that doesn't lessen like the like impact of the match itself, which was great. Uh, then my second match is Kaito Kiyomiya versus Keno from Noah the New Year, January first, twenty twenty three. Just I, these two are also just absolutely insane. Like they will just take crazy bumps for each other. Like they they just have just insane chemistry. Just at all times, they will just go out there and just try and kill the kill the other man, basically. Just non-stop violence and just really just vicious and just I mean it's strong style. I know strong style in a way is just kind of a just kind of a kind of just branding thing, but like it just really to me it just really like epitomizes kind of what like Japanese wrestling really kind of is or what like the Japanese wrestling style really is. So great one there. And then my number one match is Yuji Okabayashi. Versus Yuya Aoki from Big Japan, Endless Survivor, Infinity Imp- Independent, where Yuya Aoki finally, or not finally, but he wins the strong title from Okabayashi and ends his reign. And then Okabayashi goes on a hiatus shortly after. And it's just, to me, this is kind of like the perfect like wrestling match structure. Like Yuji Okabayashi is just this gigantic monster just this legend of the promotion as well just he's been on like a super long title reign as well and he is just this like stone this monolith that Yuya Aoki has to overcome and maybe it's not as strong as Okabayashi you know uh, or, or maybe he can take as much punishment as Okabayashi but he has heart and he's just refuses to give up like no matter what Yuji Okabayashi just dishes out like he just doesn't stay down like he just repeatedly, just constantly, just keeps getting up and up and up and up and up and just nonstop. And like you can just see the frustration building on Yuji Kobayashi's face because he's like, well, what do I need to do to beat this guy? And it turns out that there is actually nothing you can do to beat this guy because he just wants it more than you. And then he just beats Okabayashi and he's the new champion and he leads Big Japan into a new era. And we're going to see where that leads, but just incredibly emotionally fulfilling to watch this match and just yeah I, I there might be some potential matches coming up later this year that could outrank this like i'm specifically looking at uh okada versus kaito um but otherwise like this will at worst be like second or third on my like final match of the year list and it has a very strong shot of being number one at the end of the year as well all right, that's great, Paul. And so from there, we're moving on to promotion of the year. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan. 
of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying hey look at some random cards whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network so uh from my worst promotion last year to my number three i'm going with big japan uh i think they had a great turnaround in part because of obviously the elevation of Yuya Aoki, but um, there's a lot of other good stuff going on like astronauts. And I really enjoyed uh, Kota Sekafuda's junior title reign. Now the death match division is still not great, especially when you have Abdullah Kobayashi uh, on top of it as the champion. Um, but at least maybe Kamatani can move back into the strong division now so they can build on some momentum from there number two i'm going to go with stardom i thought especially their sort of second half of last year and the first couple of months of this year were incredibly strong uh also a big excitement uh that they signed suzu suzuki and then of course big hash chihiro hashimoto finally uh coming back to stardom and then i thought having a great match against um mirai and then against shuri so uh, I think I haven't been in love with a lot of their stuff since um, All-Star Grand Queendom, but I still think they're, you know, a very good promotion. 
And I'm going to take the opportunity now just to give them number one, because I don't know if I'm going to be able to do so in six months from now, because they're going to make an incredibly stupid booking mistake or someone is going to blow out a knee again. Uh, so I'm going with All Japan. Uh, their turnaround has been uh, significant. Um, well, and I guess it's sort of we missed the cutoff date, but obviously now Yuma Aoyagi is the um, Triple Crown champion, but you know his elevation had been going on for months before, and the uh, junior division is so good right now. Uh, so I think I'm just going to take this chance to give them the number one spot as best promotion because I don't know if I can again, just because you know uh, how things can turn on a dime with them. Liam, so um. I'm gonna. I'm making a last-minute adjustment to my list. I'm swapping my two and my three. Um, I my number three is much to Kelly's chagrin. Stardom. I I think that this promotion. Uh, I said like at the end of 2010s that I thought the 2020s were going to be defined by Stardom's growth in the same way that the 2010s were defined by New Japan's growth, and I think we're well on that way. I. I ingest stardom in the way that God intended it to be, which is free and also th- and also through only watching the big shows, which is when you watch stardom that way, you think it's the best promotion in the world. You know, yeah, that, if that's, I was, that's the way to do it. <laughs> yeah. And if, if I was Kelly, like, you know, down in the mines watching every stardom house show, I probably wouldn't like it either. But I don't do that. So I love it, uh, which I think is how most people ingest stardom as well. Um, and then my number two, which I just hearing Gerard's emotional plea made me want to do this. I'm putting all Japan at number two, and this is a big turnaround for me because I have kind of despised old Japan. I have despised where it is in the pro wrestling landscape. I've always thought that it was kind of like this, like black spot on Puro where if it wasn't there, all these people would be able to flush out into these other companies and make them better. But what I realized over this year is that I really enjoy Old Japan because it reminds me of when I was first getting into Puro still. Like, it's the only company that has the, like, that kind of vibe. And whenever I watch it now, I can't help but just root for it. I just want Old Japan to succeed. I want them to, I, they, to me, they just, they need production. But like, as I'm watching it, I'm like, I want you guys to get more money and I want you to more fans and i really love yuma and i love kento and i love the junior division i think the junior division starting to flourish with your atsushis and your um rising hayatos and stuff so and then you've got obviously lindemann and uh, kaito ashida coming in and doing stuff so i've just become a real big fan of all japan mostly in the the six, last six months but it's something that i'm really hoping and I'm, I'm getting my hopes up guys and it's gonna tear me down but i'm getting my hopes up <laughs> and then um my my number one is new japan uh new japan to me is in the healthiest state that i've seen it in a long time uh whereas other companies in the world may have certain stories or are doing certain things with people that are i I enjoy a lot and like really got me back into that aspect of the promotion i don't think there's any promotion in the world that has managed to recapture my interest as a full sort of package than New Japan has. Um, I'm really invested in seeing all these new young guys come up and seeing how that works out into New Japan. 
I love the the top tier guys of your Euro Carters and obviously now like I'm into the the elevation of Sonata. To me, he's like this really cool throwback '90s New Japan guy, and I get really invested in his stuff. So I'm all into that. Uh, the G uh, the G1 hasn't happened, but like it was announced before then, so I can give it credit. Uh, that young block in the G1 is one of the most interesting things in pro wrestling to me right now. I'm so excited for it. The stuff with Kaito, them working with Noah, working with in quotation marks. Like, I'm just so into everything that New Japan's doing right now. I, I, I'm a big youth movement guy in general, and I, I'm very excited to see how that young roster begins to not only, like, graduate to where it is, but cement themselves surrounded by all-time greats. All right. Like, so I had a hard time with this. Like, I don't, for me, I just, not many companies hit to the point where I'm like, oh, yeah, I love this company's consistent output. So I got a weird list. So my number three is a little, little tiny company, more, more just, a, a just produce shows really. Uh, it is Chris Brooks and Drew Parker's Bakugai Gene and Friends. Uh, they just put on fun little shows in this bar, and they go up on YouTube, and they're a good time. I want to like, go to one of them so badly, dude. I know, right? Like, I, um... It's absolutely on my list if they run a show while I'm over there, like mm. late late this year early next year yes. i will like just move heaven and earth to go <laughs> <laughs> well sorry to bite on your thing a little bit but the thing i like about them and also like what paul's talking about is i feel like ddt used to like operate in that special atmosphere where you'd go like these are the weird unique sort of spot shows that you would see and ddt's yep. kind of lost that vibe now and to me these shows have kind of taken that place of the interesting visually distinct weird places where you can do pro wrestling and that's like what and they just seem like such a vibe and so much fun and that's what's really stuck out about them to me yes no exactly they're they're such a fun vibe you've got the the interesting space they're working in and then sometimes you just get banger matches like brooks versus mayukihi that was a legit great match that they that just so happened to take place on this tiny little area of mats in this bar uh, all right, my number two is Freedoms, purely because I think as far as death matches go, they're the best right now. They put on some incredible matches. I thought Drew Parker had a great title run. And, you know, not not all of their shows hit. Like, a lot of the Shinkiba stuff is kind of just throwaway, but you usually get a really good Kurikin out of them once every month or so. And uh, their top-end stuff, 95% of the time delivers for me. So that, that got him to number two on my list. And then number one, Tokyo Joshi. Uh, I love their shows, even like just their Kurikin shows might just be my favorite wrestling shows to watch because I can pop them on and I'm even the matches that aren't that great. I'm going to enjoy them at minimum. There's just such a fun vibe to the shows. Everything is at minimum good for the most part and it it's just it's it's a pleasant watch and that's hard to do in this day and age with wrestling for whatever reason so many shows feel like slogs to get through but then you have Tokyo Joshi and it's just it's a joy to watch and that gets a lot of points for me so that that makes them my number one pick all right Paul uh, for me my number three is Big Japan I think I've already kind of touched on that this year has really been kind of me 
finding my love for Big Japan again after I voted them worst promotion uh, uh, one year ago for the half year awards because I think they were really kind of down in the doldrums back then. But I think they've really kind of regained a lot of momentum. I think they're like on a much better path right now with some really interesting stuff going on. Um, then my number two vote goes to All Japan. So if this had just been the first half of 2023, All Japan probably would have been my number one. But because I also need to consider the second half of 2022, which wasn't that great for All Japan. Like this, like I'm pretty sure like Jake losing the uh, triple crown to Suwama falls into that time frame. Them just kind of really just botching the build for the anniversary show didn't help either. The anniversary show being just kind of okay didn't help either. But I think they really kind of turned things around in 2023 and it's just one of the most exciting promotions in Japan at the moment. Like they really like they've made Atsuki the ace of the promotion and they've made Yuma now uh, the triple crown champion and they're really kind of peaking these guys at the right time they're like really doing a good job of benefiting from the corporations that they have with Noah and New Japan to just elevate their own guys their own young guys as well so I think they're just doing a really really solid job and uh, yeah they're just kind of inching forward and like, this might be the only frustrating part is, like, if they actually had, like, a backer similar to, like, the way, like, other promotions have in Japan, they probably could capitalize on that momentum even more. But I think they're on the right path at the very least. And then my number one is New Japan. I didn't love everything New Japan has done, but they just have been the most consistent promotion over the second half of 2022 and the first half of 2023. Like, the G1 was really, really good. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom had a ton of like really really good stuff as well uh, and then they've just been really really solid for the first half of 2023 as well and again they're also kind of bringing in a new era kind of elevating guys like Shota Umino like well technically Renerita but that's a bit more questionable and then main eventing their second biggest show of the year Dominion with Yota Suji who literally just came back from Excursion, which was incredibly ballsy on New Japan's part. And yeah, I uh, just want to use this opportunity as well to kind of plug again my preview of the A block for the G1, where I'm kind of like talking about that block as well. Like Liam touched on it as well, where like it's it's the young guy block and it's like, it's such an intriguing kind of situation. Like it's, it's such a cool idea by New Japan to book it this way. And I'm just really looking forward to like the way this whole block unfolds because like we will see stuff referenced that will happen in this block for like the next 10 years at least, but probably more like the next like 20 years. So like even like if you're kind of down on New Japan, like you need to like this, this block will be appointment viewing because you will see this stuff get referenced and come back like in later matches. So it's just, incredibly important if you want to stay like up to date with new japan all right and then we move on to our last category and this is the category s so you get five votes on this so five four three two one and it's for wrestler of the year and so my number five i'm going with uh kento miyahara uh i mean obviously the person that that carries all japan on his back although maybe Slightly less these days with uh, Yuma Aoyagi, now the tri- Triple Crown champion. He sort of 
helped save the promotion after the botch. Paul was saying the botch builds the 50th anniversary show and had a good run after that. And he uh, also had some great tag runs, both with uh, Takuya Nomura and then later on uh, with uh, Yuma Aoyagi in that match against Keno and Manabu Soya. Number four, Julia. I mean, she's a mega star. I think she's probably the top um, women's wrestler in the world, but also one of the top wrestlers in the world. I mean, obviously the uh, match in December against Shuri and then the match against Tom, Tam Nakano at All-Star Grand Queendom, but she also had some other great matches uh, this first half of this year, like against Suzu Suzuki. And I really like that match of hers against uh, Maya Yukihi. I think that was back in uh, March. I thought that was awesome. Yes, um, that match is so good. Yeah, so she sort of, I think, deserves it there. Number three, uh, I couldn't leave this guy off this list. Keno, he is peaking both in the ring and as a character. I mean, with all of his stuff, his, I mean, I don't speak a lick of Japanese and like, I get it. I get what he's doing. I get, he's an amazing promo. I get, he's a very angry, angry man. And I think he, um, obviously is going in a new direction. So I, but I have a feeling that he's going to crush it and could very well be on my top five list again, very soon. Uh, number two, um, I'm still going with Will Ospreay. I know he's had the in injury bug. Uh, a bit but i think when he's been on he's been one of the obviously one of the best in the world and is going to go down in the books is probably one of the greatest in a, of all time and i for number one um you got to give it to okada for everything from the g1 to i thought actually having a good match with jay white at wrestle kingdom that match actually exceeded my ex uh expectations and i think that um his match against i actually liked his match against brian danielson i thought he did a pretty decent job putting over sonata and of course the stuff with kaido kiyomiya which is not done but again that got a lot of eyeballs so i really you know can't uh, give number one to anyone else um so there it is liam what do you got um so number five i have the ace of Gleet, L. Linderman, of course, is who I'm referring to. Um, the back half of the year is the end, like, sort of ending period of his G-Rex title run. You have the Doki match. You have all of his, like, stuff that he's been doing and jumping around to other companies. And then towards the start of this year, you had the Ishida series, which I was really into. And then now we're sort of seeing him transition into a role of guy who's on the card to draw, but doesn't necessarily isn't doing anything with the titles at the moment. I'm and I'm excited to see what he's going on forward. Um, the thing about Lindemann too that I have to give him credit for is that G Pro Wrestling show that I despised was the only Korokin that he wasn't on. So I feel like that speaks volumes about how much he adds to Gleet's presentation. Is like he misses a show and I hate the show. <laughs> so I have to give him <laughs> some credit there. Um, my number four. I don't know how Kelly's going to feel about it, but I have Tam. Look, it's I, okay. I, like, I am, I walk the Tam road, all right? I'll admit it. I, I'm reading the threads on Twitter, all right? I'm, I'm, I'm getting into the lore. I like The utterly Tam. despicable Tom. Yeah, exactly. I just, I don't know, like, uh, her character I really enjoy of, like, 
this person who's like pretending to be like innocent, but then she's like a complete psychopath. I just enjoy that element. Uh, she's willing to land on her head 24 seven, which I can always admire from a pro wrestler. Um, her performance in the Julia title change, I thought was amazing. Like I was messaging Kelly during it. I was like, I'm freaking out this whole time. Um, and yeah, I just, I've really enjoyed Tam and like in a lot of ways. And also the, the Nazi point stuff was in this time period as well. So I have to give credit for that. But like, I just think she kind of feels like the main character. <laughs> like, and I was just rooting for her to get this, this title win. And then now I will be happy with whatever happens with her career. Finally, I'll be like, cool, I'm good. She got the title. I'm happy. Um, and then at number three, I have Julia, who is like basically the exact same stuff that I said about Tam, but also has had a wider variety of better matches throughout that time period as well. Um, and obviously, they were getting to the position now where like Julia's going to become a worldwide phenomena, like, and everyone's going to know who Julia is. Um, number two, I have Keno. Uh, for all the same reasons that Gerard said, I, I, again, don't speak a lick of Japanese, but I still watch the YouTube videos because <laughs> I'm like, there's just this palpable charisma that comes off of this guy and you can't help but watch. Um, he's jumping around through all of these companies and he's giving more to all of these other companies than basically anyone else has been doing. Uh, I've loved even like the Noah stuff, obviously, uh, the Kaito match from the start of the year was fantastic and he just kind of has sort of encapsulated the the whole company at the moment and even maybe encapsulated the feeling of freedom and collaboration that is in puro at the moment is like sort of keno's like he feels like the center point for it and i have to give him all the credit in the world for it uh, and then my number one is also kazushka okada uh i mean that's okada he's one of the greatest of all time uh everything that he's been doing has been fantastic all of his matches have been delivering he's now doing obviously the he is the final boss for all these young guys to try and conquer, which I am enjoying. Um, I love the Sonata match. To me, that was a complete throwback style match. Uh, it's it's Kazuchika Okada, man. He's he's doing everything, and I'm, I'm very excited to see where it goes forward. I've enjoyed seeing this mean streak that's come out of him this year. But even like last year, he was still Okada, so he had that sort of minimum level of excellence with him at all times. And yeah, it's it's nice to have this feeling of, man, Okada is back, New Japan is back, and it just it, it feels right to be in a pure space where those two things are like running at the highest level possible. All right, so my list, uh, number five, we got Will Osprey. I didn't watch a ton of New Japan, like I've been kind of out on the company for a little bit, but like anytime there was a hyped Osprey match, I was checking it out. And you know what? They're great. And of course, you can't discount the match with Kenny. Like, fuck, two all-time classics in this time period. He's got to make the list. So there he is at number five. Uh, number four, Julia. Just an undeniable talent who is just going to explode in the next couple of months, I would assume. Just so good. And it's been fun watching her grow as a performer over this time. And she's just... She's great. She's... Uh, at like the she's at the top of Joshi pretty much, except for my number three, Yuka Sakazaki. Uh, Yuka's year was great. Her uh, her title run again, that whole Terminator Terminator Yuka run, just beating the shit out of everyone. An unstoppable monster, which is something you would have never expected out of 
the magical girl Yuka Sakazaki, but goddamn was she intimidating in those matches. I uh, I loved that title run, and then of course all the tag title stuff with Mizuki, just a killer year out of her. Uh, my number two is almost I would say Puro MVP all around player Chris Brooks. The dude does it all. He promotes. He does a shit ton of commentary in English for people. He's out there having great matches. He's designing merch. Like, the guy does it all, and shit. He's writing tweets. He's writing tweets. <laughs> the man is an MVP. If you want, like, just sign him up, and you've got so many services being taken care of by this guy. And also, he's out there having great matches against Higuchi and Mayukihi and ton of other stuff. And his tag t- tag stuff is great. Like, I, he's a guy that years ago, if you would have been like, "Hey, one of your favorite Japanese wrestlers is Chris Brooks," and it'd be like, "What? No, what? What? You silly boy! What are you saying to me?" It's like, no, dude puts in great work. So yeah, he gets my number two spot, and then my number one. Well, sorry, is... Kelly, but I don't want to cut you off. I just have a question. Yes. Um, do you think he's winning the KOD? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, if... I'm, I'm very excited about that. Like, that's that's me going into this match being like, yeah, it's a certain... There's no chance that Hino walks out with the title. If he does, I'll be so fucking upset. Yeah, that would be if like... Hino, sort of... If Hino beats Chris Brooks... I will vote for DDT for like an additional as worst promotion for like an additional two years, regardless of what they do. Just yeah. Principled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, I, it's, it's weird. I never thought there would be a foreigner that I would associate with DN, DDT more than Kenny Omega, but yeah. I think I'm at that stage now with Chris Brooks. Yeah. Yeah. He's it. DDT is really just his home. Like this is, this is his company and I'm really hoping mm-hmm. his title run can kind of, turn things around uh and then my number one this is i i don't even know if it like was his best year or what but just he's a guy that you ask me who's the best wrestler right now i'm like oh it's jun kasai all of his big matches absolutely deliver no matter any match of his you go out there you're gonna have a good time you're gonna have see jun kasai going out there He's going to make people bleed. He's going to bleed. They're going to, everyone's going to make, he's going to make funny faces. You're going to have a great time. And then he's going to lariat people's heads off and just shit. He's so good. He's always so good. I love June Kasai. And it's kind of just in the recent years, I've realized like, God damn, this dude is so much better than he's ever given credit for. And so that's, that's why he's my number one. Like if you always go out there and entertain me pretty much no matter what, you know, I think you deserve to be number one. And Paul? Okay. Yep. So uh, before I start on my list, uh, I need to mention my uh, honorable men. Uh, I should go to my honorable mention first. And it breaks my heart that I had to cut them from the list. But it's uh, El Hijo de Dr. Wagner Jr. Because, again, if this was just a list for the first half of 2023, he would be a mortal lock to be on here. Like, I think he just has been absolutely tremendous. And, like, his national title reign is the best thing going in Noah at the moment. Uh, Just really great stuff. But I also have to consider the second half of 2022. And he really just did, like, a complete 180 when he won the title. 
when he won a national title because before then he was just kind of a body on the roster. Like his N1 was just incredibly forgettable. Like I remember just like when we were doing shows about the N1, like I was just struggling to come up with stuff to say about his matches because they were just such nothing. And then he wins the national title and he just becomes like the most compelling guy in the entire promotion. But yeah, I I had to cut him, unfortunately. So uh, my actual uh, number five is Will Osprey. Like, yeah, he has been injured uh, a bit as well. So that's why he's kind of down here as well. But whenever he actually steps into the ring, he is just amazing. When RevPro announced him versus uh, Shingo Takagi uh, at the anniversary show on All In Weekend, I immediately bought a ticket for that show. Uh, because, uh, and I think, I don't know if Kelly uh, agrees with me here, but Shingo versus Osprey is still the greatest match I have ever seen live. Yes, yes. Uh, honestly, the only thing that comes close to it for me is another Will Osprey match. <laughs> and that's <laughs> him versus uh, Matt Riddle on a WrestleMania weekend show. That was awesome. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, because, yeah. I can actually see that because I actually saw them both in uh, have a match in OTT that was also absolutely amazing. But yeah, no, but still, like he 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 is great. Uh, he has done a ton of amazing stuff. Uh, but I also thought that just there were like other guys who just had like because again we only consider things that have been done in Japan and Will is kind of spreading his wings kind of everywhere. I think there were just people that had a more consistent output in Japan itself. So uh, my number two is Kazara Higuchi. Just absolutely, as I've said, like absolute madman. Like in, in some ways, actually, he's become even more of an unstoppable monster since he lost the title. Like just his match with Chris Brooks, where he just destroyed Chris Brooks and Chris Brooks, basically. Like he didn't really beat Higuchi. He just kind of survived Higuchi and then kind of managed to roll him up. Uh, on a roll him up, but like managed to like just catch him uh, with the uh, with the octopus, and like win the match. But just yeah, like amazing performances in both uh, second half of twenty two as well as the first half of twenty twenty three. Then my number uh, my number four guy is uh, or number three guy. Sorry, my number three guy is Yuma Aoyagi. Uh, as I mentioned before, like he's a guy that really is like. He is currently ascending to the top of all Japan and he just has a lot of great stuff. Like at the he, like what I actually realized is that the real blood flute feud still falls actually within our uh, time frame here. So I thought that was just really, really good stuff. Uh, then he wrestles Chris Daniels at the anniversary show. Then he goes and reforms the Nomoyagi tag team. Uh, they have a great uh, real world tag league. Uh, they have all of that great stuff until Nomura gets injured. Then he reforms his tag team with Kento Miyahara, and they have amazing matches as well. And he has a good, he has like a really, really good uh, champion carnival as well, where all Japan, I think, did an amazing job of keeping him strong while not having him be in contention to win it at all. Which I think is a really that that's such a fine line you need to tread there to actually pull that off and did it, and I think that's just really kudos to all Japan that did it. So yeah, and I think he is going to do a lot of great things going forward as well now that he holds the triple crown. My number two is Keno. I mean, what more can I really say about Keno that 
Gerard hasn't already said about him as well. Like it's I think really like the point I want to reiterate as well is like just the promo. Like I don't really speak a lot of Jap- Japanese, but like I think he just really proves the old adage that like it's not about what you say, it's about how you say it. Like he just brings across the message without you even really understanding what he's actually saying. Like you just get that this guy is amazing. Him standing on the side of a river, covered head to toe in a trash bag, screaming about Suwama and Mudu murderers is just genuinely one of the greatest promos I have ever seen in wrestling. Just tremendous stuff. And then his in-ring stuff as well is, I think he's actually been a bit underrated so far this year because he hasn't had, aside from the Kaito match, he hasn't had that many great singles matches. Uh, like he's had some obviously but not as much as other people but like his tag stuff has been really really great and like his six-man tag stuff also has been amazing like whenever there's like a big six-man tag match he generally is like the most important like most entertaining part of it like i think that really was the case both at the muta retirement show as well as the altogether show where he just really is like a guy that like keeps the match together and just makes it really entertaining just a guy that is absolutely peaking right now and that is like he should get a lot more attention from a lot more people because he is definitely getting attention but I think everyone should know who this guy is and what he's doing and then my number one I mean this shot probably shouldn't be a shocker it's also Katsuchika Okada I, I love this man he is amazing he is my all-time favorite wrestler and he just he hates he as people have said he hates kids and he will just not abide by any of these like young guys coming up because he's still the top guy and he will show them at any point, any moment, he will just show them that like, no, 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 I'm still the top dog. You guys can get to the back of the line, get back down there. You can, you're not better than me. I'm better than you. If you want to be better than me, like you need to come show me in a ring and you need to actually beat me. Oh, you can't? Well, too bad. Like he really is the uh, Jumbo Saruda of the Reva era. I think that's the best way to sum it up because that that's really what he feels like right now. This, this really reminds me of when the uh, when the four pillars were coming up in all Japan, and they just had like not all of them obviously were like facing off with Jumbo Saruda, but like Jumbo was still there. Jumbo was still like the guy from the previous era, and he just was like no 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 yeah i get that you guys are all talented i get that the promotion thinks you guys it, you guys think you're hot shit but like i'm still the man i can still beat the absolute shit out of all of you until you can finally overcome me then you can become the like top guys in the promotion but until then i will remain in that spot so just amazing stuff from Okada, just amazing in-ring stuff amazing character work just I think well deserved, like like just you know, I think not quite, but like close to being the unanimous candidate for wrestler of the year here. All right. Thank you, Paul. So that's all the awards. I thought maybe just give a quick chance looking back on this year, give our guests Liam and Kelly just their thoughts about wrestling in Japan overall right now. So we'll start with Liam again. Um it's interesting. Uh, I've kind of lamented this year about how Puro hasn't quite felt right to me. Um, there's, 
a specialness in Japanese wrestling, which has always kind of been there that I felt was missing for a while. I think a part of it is companies like DDT and for a long time, obviously it's turning around now, Big Japan felt like they had always encompassed these niches where DDT was going to give you these spectacular things, which you never quite felt felt like you were going to see. They were the things that attracted me to Japanese wrestling when I was like, oh, wow, here's this weird video of Kota Ibushi fighting through a abandoned hotel. And in each room, there's a mini boss fight for him. And he makes his way to the roof and the campsite matches and all that. And Big Japan had like these, the mix of the death matches and the strong matches. And uh, I was seeing people like Yuji Okabayashi for the first time and it was blowing my mind. Um, and the the whole landscape of Puro was vibrant and there was so many different companies with different things and Drangate felt different from everything else and New Japan felt different from everything else and Noe like it was struggling but still had like the guys you're like wow I need to go and see because I need to see people from Noah and then it was just all these different and then um when Old Japan started to bounce back and you had like the rise of Kento there was all these different elements about Puro that was just sort of hitting and uh, and for the last year I felt like a lot of that had been missing um like the magic of Puro had kind of disappeared post COVID. And I think for the first time in that year plus, um, and I think a lot of credit can be given to Joshi sort of finally feeling like it's catching fire and getting these bigger crowds now and there's more companies and there's, that's like a, a big sort of hole that's been filled and for and for a long time outside of that, I just, I didn't feel like there was anything else that was kind of grasping in that same way. And I was really low about it, but sort of now as New Japan has found its footing again, and uh, it's, you know, obviously a company I care a lot about, Gleeda's starting to go on that upswing again, and Joshi's starting to go on that upswing. I feel a little better about the state of Puro now. I'm still a little trepidatious with everything else because i think i don't necessarily believe that all these other companies have started to find themselves yet but we're getting there and i don't think the magic's back yet but i think we're on the way to starting to recapture it or perhaps form a new sort of identity yeah we're definitely in the most hopeful time in Puro since 2019 like the things are definitely on the upswing things are looking better but you know you still there's still a little like hiccups coming out of the covid era but i think people are gonna they're gonna overcome those and it's interesting there's little things here and there whereas like i liked stuff that companies did during lockdown like i think a lot of the ice ribbon dojo shows are really good during covid i loved Choco Pro and the rise, the rise of that, like that was great. And you, you saw a lot of companies just kind of become inventive and I hope they can bring that inventive spirit into the post COVID era of wrestling. And like, I really want to see DDT become what it used to be again. I want to see the big one for me. Yes. DDT because it was so much 
different from everything else and gave the the scene a different aspect of pro wrestling that when DDT was important and hit it it really sort of made everything fuller and I think the other company that's a lot like that is Dragon Gate is when Dragon Gate was hitting at that like next level it also and the, the, you know what else another big part of that is though the dragon gate and ddt were two and three for a long time mm-hmm. and they were so different from new japan and now with sort of like feeling more like stardom and cyberfight have kind of taken those two and three roles and they're essentially bushiroad clones at times yeah they're trying to be new japan <laughs> Yeah, and that's kind of the the difference is we've gone from a a world where the top three companies were completely different on the spectrum and doing their own thing, and now the top three are kind of all they feel too similar, and yes. even like even um DDT and Dragon Gate themselves kind of feel too much like that now. Yeah, like DDT, honestly, the last time I super super enjoyed DDT was there no fans shows because they still felt like DDT. Mm. But once the cl- the clap crowd stuff started, that's when it kind of fell apart for me. And I think they were doing that stuff for so long to where now it's like they're stuck in this rut of like they they're ne- they don't feel like themselves anymore. So I'm hoping things can turn around on that. But like the weird thing is if you go back and watch the no fans DDT Shinkiba shows, that stuff's good. Like, yeah. like they were, they were legit good. And then, kind of, once they started bringing in fans, it was like, oh, this doesn't work anymore. I think um, there's like, and what we were talking about before, Kelly, is like, I think that's the reason why the Chris Brooks produce shows and Choco Pro sort of yes. have taken this bigger role in my wrestling viewership now is because they are encapsulating that spirit of doing something completely different. Yep. They're what I, I think, want DDT to be. Yeah, exactly. And like I and I've um, and that's not to say that I don't appreciate just straight up good wrestling from DDT. Yeah. Because that's always been there. I uh, like Hiroshima I consider to be one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. I, I really like there's a level two DDT which is just doing good wrestling as well. But there's you, a reason it, why I wanted Higuchi to be champion. But <laughs> yeah. like, he's not gonna go out there and be wacky Higuchi oh he's out here yucking up yucking it up it's like no he's Mm. gonna he's gonna be Higuchi he's gonna have incredible matches it's like you can you can have both but yeah but there's a there's a there's a spirit about it which DDT has kind of lost um the closest uh, they had to it in recent time was the Mania Weekend show I felt the that's I had the exact same thought, Kelly. I was watching that <laughs> Mania Weekend show, and I was like, "This feels more like DDT than anything DDT's done in Japan." Yep. And there's just that's that's the thing that I kind of have like a melancholy around Japanese wrestling now is that it's all so homogenized stylistically, and mm-hmm. it feels too much like the same thing. And I miss having all these different things popping up and doing unique. And that's why I, I always get, I jump in so hard around new companies. That's why I was like, I'm going to watch Glee like when this comes out, because I just want, 
an opportunity to see companies doing something different. And even if it's stuff I don't like, like the Ledet UWF stuff, uh, which I despise with every fiber of my being because the matches are boring, <laughs> but at least it's a company that's trying to have a different identity yeah. than we're going to have our young guy work Tanahashi style matches, which seven companies do now. Yep. That's why I really like uh, prominence in the Joshi scene where it's like, it's yeah. good to have a place where women can go and just have a hardcore death matches. Like, that's great. There should be a place for that. And that's the reason why now, like, I've been trying to give more time to old Japan, big Japan and the project and like project is like fortune dream is because they feel like they're the only companies that are still being authentic to themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's the, the biggest thing in wrestling to me is authenticity and that goes for like wrestlers promotions everything like if if you don't feel authentic to me you've lost it and those are the companies that i feel are still sticking to what they are and aren't trying to be something else yeah it's a big part of why i had uh freedom so high up on my list it's like they know exactly what they are and they deliver on that and they are they're a deathmatch company through and through, but you know, they, Hirata, he's a big, strong boy. He could be in the strong division if he wanted to, but shit, he's a yeah. great deathmatch champion too. Exactly. That was some great analysis and very brave words, varying shoot style from Liam. Oh, well, like, just grow up. <laughs> like, my, my, my thing with shoot style is I don't have a problem with it by itself, but it should just be like on its own shows just i never minded when they would do the ledet uwf shows exclusively because i could just not watch them it was easily to, to avoid but this half and half shit they do at, at the big Gleet shows is so annoying to me i just i don't know and like some of the matches are good they're not always bad but it's just like the most recent I, I show felt the most egregious where it's like here you have the title match. Oh, and now guess what? It's time for the UWF half of the show. And it's like, oh. Yes, and I like, agree. Okay. <laughs> and you could have like, done it in a way that was better and more like, and flowed better with the show because like, A, you cut the 20 minute bullshit, which is yeah. a completely useless match, which made nobody look good and did nothing and killed the <laughs> crowd. Because if you've seen that, oh, here we go. I'm going on the thing now. <laughs> if you've seen that show, <laughs> Uh, anyone who's seen that show, that Soma T-Hawk match, that crowd was on fire by the end of it. They yep. were like molten for that match. And then by the time the legit UWF stuff rolled around, the crowd was dead. And then yeah. uh, Hayato and Ito got it back because they're really good. But the rest, like they were dead for everything else. And then by the time we get around to the big announcements like Ibushi, the crowd's like, they pop big, but they're still kind of dead because they've just been watching 20 minutes of people rolling on the floor. Yeah, they're ready to the go. The most home. baffling thing coming out of that like whole thing was like people being like, "Yeah, but like Shin Aoki was really great in that match." I was like, "No, he was not. Like he was just like fucking making a mockery of the other guys and like just laughing the whole time." Like, and that's the problem so too. Bad. Is like, uh, unfortunately, a lot of things. It's not an actual problem with the style. It's a lot of. It's a problem with the culture surrounding the style. Is that a lot of these guys coming in, they, they don't respect any of the, the young guys doing it. Because why would they? Because it's being presented as a complete sh like shoot. They have to protect themselves because they have actual credibility. And I understand it, but that's why you don't do it. 
That's why you just don't do the style. <laughs> and I've never seen like anyone in the like fandom of Gleet actually come out and be like, that wasn't a Western fan. Like I've never seen people who are actually into this. The legit shows draw terribly. The crowd is yeah. dead the whole time. So it's like, I maybe they could work by themselves, but the idea of mixing them with this like fast paced Dragon Gate inspired, like Seema ism show, it just makes no sense to me. And that's, and it's still better than the goddamn Gleet MMA. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was a great uh, analysis and discussion. So plugs from our guests before we go. Liam? Kelly, go first. I'm talking. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'll go first. Uh, you can hear me every other week on Jumping Bomb Audio with my co-host Taylor talking about all things Joshi. Uh, you can hear me pretty much every Tuesday on the Panels on Pages podcast. We're live on YouTube. Uh, just fucking talking about whatever bullshit we feel like talking about that week. We've kind of given up on just like, we're going to chase the trends and do whatever. It's it's, it's a an, it's Thank you. It's an hour and a half of just some friends hanging out. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Sometimes that's nice. Uh, and then I guess just follow me on Twitter at Comic Geek Kelly. And I guess you can find me on threads the same way. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, on Twitter, the irony of this now, at the Gleet Mooder, um, I don't have threads or blue sky yet. I'm waiting to see who wins the war. Um, I'm just getting but, on both as soon as I can. Just claim my turf and be like, I was here first. There you go. That's fair enough. Um, yes, uh, you've got to be kidding me. TNA History Retrospective Podcast. Me and Garrett Kidney, someone who knows more about TNA than anyone in this world. Um we just did Unbreakable 2005 with the AJ Joe Daniels match. We're about to go into Bound for Glory. Uh, we have the Patreon, tnhad.com, where we have a thousand different things going on. We just did PWG 2013. Now we're about to start Lucha Underground with Gift of the Pods, which was a great name given to us. <laughs> um, <laughs> What else do we do? Uh, we have, what do, uh, I think we have a watch along coming out for the first TNA Impact on Spike. We do, every, there's everything on there. You want to hear us talk about Rinka King or Global Force or the Monday Night Wars in 2011? It's all there. All right. Thank you, Liam. And Kelly, since I got you here, I can't, we can't end the show without asking you, do you have a movie recommendation? Okay. Uh, let's see. What is my, well, okay. I don't have a recommendation per se. Is anyone else going to do the Barbin Oppenheimer double feature in was that two yes. weeks? Yeah, I'm I'm hyped. <laughs> yes, I'm very excited for it. Barbenheimer, I, let's go. I have become Barbie destroyer of worlds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did you guys hear that uh Oppenheimer is rated R because of a yeah. prolonged nude scene? <laughs> yeah. I that... really just hope you just see Oppenheimer's like giant dick on IMAX screen. Uh, that's why I've, they've told everyone to go into IMAX. You got to see the full hog in display. <laughs> By the way, Oppenheimer is so fucking lucky that this Barbie movie comes out at the same time. Like they literally don't have to do any marketing. They literally just like everyone has just turned this into a meme. Yeah. And, yeah. Like the film is going to be a success because of that. I'm excited. Like, Barbie and Oppenheimer are probably going to do the exact same amount in terms of yeah. box office <laughs> because everyone's going to be doing the double feet they like i don't know if people are doing this but they should like cinemas should be selling two for one packs yeah i'm surprised yeah. Like, they aren't yet yeah 
But Oppenheimer's like, gonna be like three hours at least, right? It's something like that, yeah. Because I think because in the double feature and the tickets that I got with my friends, we only have like a fifteen minute break between the movies, but we're going from like noon to I think like five thirty or something. It is in wow. fact three hours. Oh, okay, so it's just like watching Avatar two once. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere Sean's ears perked up. (laughs) Such a specific joke for literally the four people here. (laughs) All right. I guess I will give my movie recommendation in the spirit of Kelly being here. I watched uh, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves last night, and I really enjoyed it. I also like that movie. I think that movie is perfectly fine. I need to see it. Once I heard about how much like practical effects are in that movie, it made me really want to check it out. It's oh, charming. Really? I didn't oh, want to see it. I, I didn't realize a lot of those were like... practical. I just assume everything was CG now. Yeah, no, like there's a ton of practical effects. Like I remember seeing like the effects house that did it just post a video of like this bird person yes, that they so made that, yeah, that's yeah. just walking around. Yeah. It's like, holy shit, that's real? <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, maybe yeah, there's, I um, need to watch it as someone that plays D&D like twice a week because yes, I'm DMing one campaign won't. and playing in another. <laughs> so the way they get in a lot of the Easter eggs is they'll talk about all of these places, right? Mm-hmm. And then you will recognize like the places they talk about. That sort of thing. Yeah. It's a, as, yeah, again, as like a D&D guy, I was also like, ah, yeah. and then I went there. I was like, oh, they, they did enough to like respect the source material without feeling like pandering to it either. There were no beholders. Is that on like streaming? Is that still in cinemas? Or that, it's on, that well, on streaming? It's on Netflix in Canada, at least. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's, it's on... I might be like, get it now. I think might it's be like on next time, like, you know, like too many people drop out to do an actual session. I might just be like, yes. okay, guys, let's just watch the D&D movie instead. <laughs> For my um, university cinema club, we are doing a D&D week and it's going to be that movie and like the old 80s movie. Double feature? Was okay. that so, that old? I thought that was no. like 2000s. Yeah, early no, 2000s. No, I'm just young. <laughs> <laughs> if it was in the early 2000s, it's basically the 60s. So I'm like, shit, I remember seeing ads for that on comics I was buying as they were coming out. I thought there was an older <laughs> one, but I might be lying. There was a cartoon in the 80s. Ah, that's what, yeah, that is what I'm thinking of. Um, I'll give a recommendation to something. Let's all give recommendations. <laughs> um, if you haven't seen it, Track down the show, Mr. In-Between. It is amazing. It is Australia's greatest export. Please go watch it. It's a lot of fun. It was on FX, so wherever you find your FX-based shows, you can find it. Yeah, I mean, if they're all, like, giving recommendations. I mean, I haven't really watched, like, that many movies recently. So uh, I think maybe just, like, a recommendation that I will give instead is a manga recommendation. Uh, read Akane Banashi. Uh, it's been going for like, I think about a year at this point. And it's basically, it's this manga about uh, Rakugo, which it's is so just like good. old Japanese kind of like style of like one person theater. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's been so much fun. It's been like my absolute favorite manga ever since it's come out. It's just, it also has like personal endorsement from Oda as well, where like apparently he, even he is reading it and really enjoying it. So so yeah, what no. got me into it was that the first volume released in Japan, the forward is written by Hideaki Anno. So I was like, oh yeah. shit, if Anno's giving his seal of approval. Yeah, yeah like, like all the big out. like manga offers are like, yeah, no, this is amazing. Read this. <laughs> yeah. I just started Berserk. It's great. <laughs> oh, fuck. Thing. 
Ooh. Yes. I, I read 150 chapters in one day. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> and it was not good for my mental health. You know, I was no, about not, to say that. And like, yes, that's cool. But also, oh my God, why did you do that to yourself? I, th I think I'm currently up to chapter 200. And What's I, happening? Do you, feel, do you feel the urge rising to play uh, Idol Master? <laughs> um, 201. They've just encountered the witches in the, the forest. Okay, okay. Yeah, we just did the, the stuff with the trolls and now, like, we've gotten to the, <laughs> no one cares about this. We've gotten to the <laughs> point where, um, like, we have the new band of hawks and we have, like, Guts getting his new crew of people, which is going to work out perfectly, I assume. Yeah, everything's <laughs> going to go great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nothing ever goes wrong in Berserk. Ah, Berserk I, is I, so it, fucking good. It's It might be just my favorite media of all time. I, um... And going into it, I knew two things about it. So I have somehow managed to avoid... I know, I knew three things. I knew that some bad things happened with Casca. I knew yeah. that <laughs> this Griffith guy can't be trusted. And I knew about a boat. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. That's all you need. Yeah, and it's it's been a joy. I mean, it hasn't been a joy. It's been something. <laughs> All right, on boat that won't note. really come across. Sorry, I need to get yep. this in real quick. I don't think the boat will come across quite the same to you because you can just read for yeah. all of the chapters and be done with it, and not That's like you know everyone else who spent like ten years, years reading yeah. five chapters. <laughs> I, I remember the the joy in the streets when he got off the boat. Like, I remember yeah. that vividly. Like how many people like the discos are like, holy shit, he got off the goddamn boat. <laughs> that was like. I read all of Scott Pilgrim in one sitting and I told someone that and he's, he told me, fuck you. That took me like a decade. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right. Well, thank you everyone for your recommendations. And on that note, uh, Paul, we'll be back like right after Kento versus Nakajima. I think early yeah. next week, because that's a big, uh, it's a big match for this podcast. So we're going to give uh, coverage of that. Uh, as soon, oh, within like hopefully within 48 hours tops of that. So we will talk to you next week and thank you to all of our guests this week. Hey kids, do you like wrestling? Well, we like wrestling too. We are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Myself and Chris Novembrino kind of doing a lazy river of wrestling criticism, going through the news and whatever happened in stateside television wrestling. And also, you know what? Sometimes we just like to watch old stuff and talk about that too. Love for you to give us a listen. If you haven't already, we are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network.